Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, which is not only a podcast about strategy and tactics games, it's also the future of golf, uh, boating, uh, online shopping for sunglasses, uh, liquefaction. Um, it, we're, we're the everything podcast. You know, it's you can't just be good at one thing anymore. You've got to be everything to everybody or you're not keeping up with the times. We're also the um, new instant pot. Of course, yeah, that too. Um, I am joined this week by our friend Rowan Kaiser. Hello, you are listening to Total Massacre, <laughs> the action movie video game podcast, sometimes hosted by yours truly. Today, we welcome very special guest Rob Zachney. Okay, so we are talking about Mission Impossible. Yeah, uh, yeah that was the plan. Um. Uh, yeah, no, it, we are actually talking about uh, Aliens Dark Descent, which is a, I described it as like a survival horror squad tactics game um, <laughs> in my review. Uh, horror might not be the right word. It's, 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 I guess, maybe more of a thriller, but um, based on uh, the alien, the, the film Aliens, uh, hence the the total massacre crossover event of the summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, why don't we start off, Rowan? What what is Alien Dark Descent? Uh, at initial glance, this is like an XCOM like strategic layer with tactical layer that you know you have you have a squad of colonial marines that you send on missions and they get better and they discover more of the plot and then you like send them to be healed or get training or to get their legs chopped off and get uh new feet attached to them um hang on the leg chopping happens in mission it's not like you're just doing prosthetic stuff for fun uh in in the game people people think there's sort of a uh, sort of a, a foot prosthesis fetish thing happening here. I'm here to tell you no. <laughs> yes, this is not quite RimWorld, uh, which is a good thing in many ways. Um, but it's actually like the tactics or the the sort of action or I, it's hard to describe because I don't want to call it tactics. Like this is not a tactical game in as much as you are moving your individual units. Your units are all combined into one little, one little blob and you can send the individual Marines to go do some things, but they will all come back to the one little squad. Uh, So they call it like a tactics action game or something like that. It's, it's a really fascinating hybrid of like squad tactics with sort of, action rpg kind of skills with just stuff that's entirely not the kind of thing that i have seen before and it's very interesting how they get this conceit of like you're actually only managing one individual thing but that thing is made up of four people and how does that work uh and i think that 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 makes this an especially interesting game for us to discuss as you know we love our, our traditional tactics games, but this is definitely something that's that's trying to do new stuff in order to adapt to uh, the the movie and the the universe that it's trying to be in. Did y'all play uh, a few years ago? This was an indie game. I think we talked a little bit about it on 3MA at the time. Infested Planet. 
was, was sort of a top-down squad shooter thing, but the entire thing was like you were controlling a little squad of space marines, effectively, and you were just dealing with these tidal waves of uh, alien bugs, effectively. And the the strategy of it was basically positioning your troops in such a way that you can make progress through this onrushing tide uh, without being overwhelmed from a different direction. And I think there's little elements of that in here uh, where, where, you know, when, when combat breaks out, it's a lot about how can you manage the manage and set up the little death ball you're controlling so that they can sort of brace themselves and, and deal with the deal with the waves of, of aliens. The other game that, that occurred to me as I was playing it a little bit was a long ago game uh, that, that I think is on GOG these days. Uh, Gorky 17 which is a very weird game. It used like uh, chess rules uh, in places. So it was like some characters could only shoot on diagonal. But the thing it also had going for it was just, you know, incredibly good vibes. Uh, it was sort of a post-Soviet uh, you know, horror thriller and a big part of the game's appeal was just leading a squad of troops through this effectively like a haunted house, a, a haunted maze. And, uh, you know, these were these are games that sort of occurred to me as I, as I was playing it. I think maybe most recently what we've seen this uh, seen play around with an idea similar to this, though, in a much more traditional RTS fashion was uh, the Starship Troopers game, which I kind of liked. It wasn't bad, but also I didn't love it i i think it was not as fun as it initially is it felt like it should have been whereas here it didn't take long you know the starship troopers game i don't know where y'all came down on it but you know i was like i think i like it more than having fun whereas here i was having fun very very fast and i've actually you know liked it more as time's gone on yeah it's it's similar because they both have sort of this conceit that like if the enemy gets into melee range you're kind of fucked (laughs) so you have to like figure out how to combine your abilities to make sure that doesn't happen um there were actually some levels in that starship troopers game that reminded me a lot of dark descent like the ones where you had to go down yeah into the mining tunnels and you had like a limited number of guys and like you know you'd get reinforcements every once in a while but you didn't have a base and you couldn't you know build more guys um, can we just talk about because because here's the thing here, here's why i think this is this works better uh-huh like starship troopers is functioning by rts rules by and large where units have stats they do the thing you position them and then they take damage and if they get you know hit enough they die very very simple straightforward stuff not terribly interesting and it did make it feel kind of grindy like if if guys took too much damage you'd sort of have to replenish and have troops run in from the base etc all this all all this stuff to sort of keep your composition correct and and keep sort of slogging slogging forward and a lot of times you're just trying to identify what is the the right composition but i think the thing they've hit on with with aliens dark descent is that there's actually all kinds of ways people can get damaged by the alien yeah, there's the claws. That's not good. Getting clawed <laughs> by the alien, that's pretty bad. But spending time around the alien, spending time shooting at it, seeing it, contemplating your impending death oh. at its hands, that Constantly also does edge. damage. Just just constant shit talking from the alien. Like it's it's never heard of how to be positive. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's just such an emotional drain. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Um and, and, you know, we, we've talked 
many times on the show about about both of the darkest dungeons. And that was definitely something I thought was an inspiration uh, for how the stress system works in Dark Descent, where it's I guess it's not as much of a discrete game mechanic because uh, you don't have. You do you gain stress throughout a mission, even just from like seeing lots of blips on the little radar thing. Um, like it'll cause your marine stress to go up and they'll get like, I don't know, they'll they'll get like a, a like a clumsy trade or something where like their accuracy goes down or they start panicking and like making a fuss, which makes everyone else around them more stressed out. Um, you don't have a lot of ways to reduce that. Uh, there is like a sergeant class you can unlock eventually that has like a you can order somebody to like get their shit together and then they won't take stress damage for a short period of time. Or you can weld yourself into a room and take a nap <laughs> that that reduces everybody's stress by one level. Um, they might also get in a fight, though, if one of them is a jerk, which is kind of a funny little. Uh, oh, I haven't seen have. that yet. Well, and they can take and they can take <laughs> drugs. They can take happy pills. Right, uh, so yeah. like, yes. which is a clever thing. This this game does has only a few resources you manage, but the resources uh -huh. it, like play along with the other systems. So the the little the little wrench tool that you get is important for repairing your sentry guns. It is the way that you hack through certain certain doors. Uh, they're they're kind of optional, but also yeah, the the I think the wrench is also how you weld yourself in, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so and you usually need to use more than one because you have to close every available exit. Right. So so like that is how you buy yourself. And, and also that's how you buy yourself a guaranteed save because uh, the audit, the autosave system in this game is is not kind, I would say. But, no. <laughs> you know, you're playing around with, you know, the, the this is how the wrench can reduce stress is, yes, you weld yourself into a stronghold. You take a break. Everyone goes down uh, to their stress baseline. The alternative is, you know, your your other resource is you got the med kits and the med kits can be used to heal soldiers, but also they can be used to administer uh, nap relief, which is essentially as, as essentially the colonial marine anti-anxiety medication. Uh, later, you get, you know, the medic class can have an ability where when they perform first aid, you get some bonus stress removal on the healing action which is which is really useful but i think the the, the stress system is really ingenious because it's the simple like hundred point scale that does just start irreversibly climbing once your squad comes in contact with with the alien uh once it goes up to a hundred it you you get a stress step uh, there, there's sort of nine points of stress. So like the, the hundred is the meter to your next, your next step. And each time they go up a step of stress, they get dealt from that short, from that small hand of possible debuffs when they suffer stress. And the thing I love about it is it's a good example of, it can be really useful to have things be a little bit obscure to make the effect a little bit hard to appreciate. And I think one of the things that Dark Descent does is your squad will look and sound effectively the same, you know, whether they're under a great deal of stress or not. They'll see the alien, you hear the the pulse rifles open up, you hear the the smart gun uh start chattering away. It'll all seem like, all right, we're still good to go, take firing positions, like, you know, just like we've handled all these these other encounters. 
but a lot of times, you know, what is happening under, under the hood is that, yeah, your troops are panicking and they're less accurate. And so suddenly your instincts for what is a safe distance from the alien? How mm-hmm. can you keep moving uh, while engaged with the enemy? Your instincts start guiding you in the wrong direction because your guys just aren't putting down the damage they need. They're whiffing shots. And by the way, there's one, there's one uh, debuff, uh, going berserk. Accuracy goes down 25, and also the berserk soldier is firing ammo at two times the rate of, our, of, of baseline. And so if you're not paying attention to how this stuff is stacking, you'll be like, all right, yeah, the Marine squad's doing fine. Like, keep moving it around. But actually, the aliens are getting closer and closer. And by the way, as that's happening, that's freaking out your troops more and more. And so you will end up with a situation where your troops may not have like taken any damage. That squad is cooked. It's time to get them out of there. Yeah. And when you realize that it might be a little late to exercise what I think is one of the really cool options in dark descent, which is hit the bricks, just leave (laughs) (laughs) runners. If you're fast. Yeah. Um, It it is. Yeah, because ammunition is your third resource, aside from engineering and meds, too, which like, yeah, there are some like soldier archetype. They have like a flaw that they start with, and some of them are just that they waste ammo. And that can be a pretty huge deal, Um, especially there are some maps where you have to go a long way into the bowels of whatever without actually finding additional ammo. and walk all the way back out of there <laughs> if you want to go back to the ship and it's a and funny choice they've made yeah where you can you can load up in advance on the tech tool and the med kits and you bring your sentry guns they don't let you bring more than your issue complement of ammo and so if you want more ammo on the mission you're going to have to when you level your soldiers spend uh, the sort of the meta resource, the supply points that you're using to unlock new weapons and 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 buy these these pieces of kit, you're gonna have to buy upgrades for your soldiers so they carry extra uh, ammo pouches. And so you, this is the other thing I think that it, it's very contrived. There's no getting around the fact that like how can how can my squad just like effortlessly carry 20 ammo around midway through a mission, but then when they roll out again the next day, it's like. Sorry, chief can only manage four <laughs> extra clips here. Uh, that's that's all that's all we can do. But I do think it's smart because it encourages the, the flip side of this, which is that this is a really effective push your luck game. You know, once you're once you're deployed and once you're sitting there, even if your squad's freaked out, if they have a ton of ammunition that they've hoovered up on this mission, that's not going to be there the next time a squad shows up on this map to continue the mission. Those those ammo chests are 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 are, are used up. And so if you have a squad that's like maybe not at 100%, but they're still kitted out really well, you will have an incentive to keep pushing because one who wants to, you know, cover over all this ground again, uh, you know, just to just to make your way toward the objective. But the other thing is the next squad that comes in may struggle to be as well equipped as this, you know, combat fatigue squad you're commanding right now. And so the game does kind of push you to push your Marines in turn and say like, I think we can do the next objective. I know you're scared, but <laughs> you know, we've got lots of ammo and drugs. So we're just going to, we're just going to open this big blast door and see what happens. And fully half the time, that's a horrible mistake. 
Well, and there's also the infestation timer, too, which like the game gets more dangerous the more deployments you do. So it really does in the back of your mind. It's like I want to get as much done every time we land as I possibly can. And the mission is getting harder each time you're detected. The the, yep. the 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 dual track escalation in the game, I love it to pieces. Sorry, Rowan, I've been cutting you off. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so to take a step back and and kind of incorporate all this into like what this game is, Darkest Dungeon is an important touchstone here, but also just the movie Aliens. Uh, this game understands an essential component of that film that a lot of other aliens adaptations have not understood, which is that the colonial Marines fucking suck. These guys are losers. They're terrible. We hate these guys. Like if you watch the movie, they do nothing but fuck up. The only one who's not a fuck up at the end is Hicks. Everyone else has completely fucked up in some way, most of them at the very beginning in a way that kills three quarters of that squad. Vasquez is the one handing out live ammunition once they, even after they discovered they're right next to the nuclear power plant that's going to blow and fuck everything up. So even like the super cool Butch Dyke is also kind of an asshole. Uh, they're extremely cocky. They think they can do anything. And then as soon as the aliens start showing up in any way whatsoever, they start breaking into pieces. And this game has these colonial Marines who are, you know, effective at running around and shooting things. Like this is not a thing that they're bad at. They're just bad at like existing as humans in a world <laughs> where shit is really bad. And shit is really bad in the aliens world. Um, so yeah, all these things that Rob is talking about, the like way that the stress adds up slightly, the way that the aliens are getting more and more, uh, more and more just out there as time goes on, both strategic layer and tactical layer time continues, uh, and you have reasons to try to push forward. Sometimes you're stuck in the middle of a dungeon and like, there's no real easy retreat button. Uh, you have to actually maneuver your way back the way you came, which might be reinvested with aliens because the aliens are just coming out of their hives every so often. There are like various points where the aliens are set by triggers or they're, they're always going to be in one room or whatever. Um, but there's also like the bulk of the aliens that you will fight and some of the human enemies you'll fight are just kind of spawning. And this sounds like it could be very annoying. And in some ways it is, but this is a game about managing that, those annoying things. This is, this is built on the darkest dungeon model of what you are trying to do is get as far as you can before you're ground into meat. And in Darkest Dungeon, this is really effective because if you retreat, you're getting maybe like a third to a half of the rewards you might get, and your guys are probably going to be somewhat upset. Uh, in this game, you know, you might have brought your very best squad, and now they're wounded, and now they're exhausted, and you won't be able to use them again for four days. Uh, and so the next you try to come back and finish the mission with a bunch of rookies, uh, that has its own problems. And like Rob said, the ammunition that that creates its own problems. So well, yeah, you have this combination. Um, 
yeah, I just want to I just want to finish uh, to go back to all the total massacre business. Like I know that one of the uh, inspirations for Darkest Dungeon was they watched um, Saving Private Ryan, and there's a, a guy in that a justified actor who like sees some people dying, and it's just like, no, I'm done, and walks off. And this is a game that watched Aliens and saw Bill Paxton saying, "Game over, man, game over." Yeah. And like that's our game. That's what we're doing. We're making these shitty people like go through darkest dungeon. I, I don't know that the the dark dark descent name is uh, a coincidence in that respect. Um, and you are kind of going through dungeons. Like some of it is you're kind of going into a town, going in and out of buildings, and you can retreat at any point. But some of the times you're going way down into the mine or way down into the basement or way onto the second floor, and you have to go back. Anyway, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, no, I was just I was just going to say I think um, you know something I, I appreciate is that the, that decision about pushing on versus retreating is is not entirely is not entirely straightforward because the thing is you know it you know like in XCOM certainly and, and like Darkest Dungeon for that matter is sort of a staple to genre. The worse people are banged up, the longer they're on the bench recovering, and so. You know, you it, you know, re- calling it a day and retreating to the transport when your squad's only lightly bruised and basically need a day or two in the med bay to get back to fighting trim, versus like pushing on and having them get really wrecked and suddenly everyone needs like nine days of medical care. Uh, that's an eternity. That is that is a campaign killer. Uh, if if you if you did that. And so even there, you're, you're given a more complicated risk reward assessment uh, with, with, with decisions like that. To your point about aliens, I think, you know, I wasn't sure where this game was going to come down because it's definitely and I, like it's definitely towing the line a little bit with where it stands on the colonial marines. Uh, by and large, a lot of the marines are also talking about, you know, we're here to help the colonists. We're We're here to. We're, we're here to help people out. That's what we're here to save lives, which is not really the way the colonial Marines sound in aliens, where it's very clear that they've been used as sort of spacefaring Pinkertons, uh, occasionally killing, you know, wild animals and then mostly shooting, you know, striking workers or, or, uh, you know, mutinous colonists. But here, I think they, they, they're, they're pretty smart in how they handle this stuff because for one thing, the Marine you're on the mission with, um, oh hell, the, the, the voice in your ear. Jonas. He, Jonas, yeah. He's he's from this world, Lethe. Uh he's he grew up here, he had a family here. And so when when the game sort of talks about the fact that, you know, a few years prior, the Marines came to this planet and brutally sus- suppressed a mining revolt, the Marine who's leading this expedition was on the other side of that, or at least his people were. And so he's sort of not positioned entirely as a oorah, you know, Marine. He, he is, he is trying to not be that kind of, not be that kind of soldier. And I think it's, it's probably a smart move because I think it would be a bit exhausting to command these guys if they all sucked as much as they do in, <laughs> in in aliens uh but you know it, it's trying to get the sense of it does highlight the fact that what what cameron implies in the film is that the colonial marines mostly go around 
being really violent rent-a-cops on behalf of you know companies like Wayland Yutani. And you know, the the flip side here is the the other major character we're we're dealing with here is uh Maiko Hayes. And she is a ambitious Wayland Yutani exec, but she's not like a Paul Reiser type. She's a patsy. You know, her her thinking is she she's effectively a liberal, right? That the that the company brings progress, that the that the company has standards, that if if things are going wrong here, it's uh you know the, the the czar's wicked advisors you know everywhere she goes she's seeing sort of debased wayland yutani exact she sees all all sorts of problems but she thinks you know the the company's ideals when it's managed to the you know the, the, the highest standard the company is fundamentally a force for good she clings to that belief pretty far into the campaign as you begin sort of unearthing <laughs> the story of of what's what's been happening here but but i do think it the useful thing there is everyone playing this game knows all the beats, you know, like you're not going to be surprised the first time or the third time you see a, a chest burster. And you're not going to be surprised when Wayland Yutani turns out to be evil, but it's useful to have a character who's got a few scales on the rise so that you at least get to see them sort of marching headlong toward what we understand are the rules of this universe. Now I, I feel like this game is really good at like, having interesting uh, player perspectives. Like you're sort of playing as Hayes throughout the game. She's your tutorial character. When like the other people are talking in the game and telling you to do something, she's the person who does it when you like click to go on a different, into a different room on the spaceship. That's your, your base here. Uh, so Hayes is kind of, kind of the player character but not fully the player character. And she also exists outside of what you do. Like this is in terms of, uh, in terms of the narrative itself, it's a fairly linear game. Uh, you're also kind of in command of that. You're the squad leader of your squad on the missions. And Hayes is another voice in your Hayes and Harper are the two voices in your ears telling you to do things. And they're both interesting characters, I think. Like, it's not it's not surprising. They're not super deep. But the idea that you have an actual true believer in Wayland yutani which is not something that you see in the first two canonical movies. Uh, and, like, it takes her four or five missions to start re- re- stop defending Wayland Utani and everything they do. Like the first or the second mission you go on, you walk into like this, uh, uh, like reception building that Wayland Utani has built for this uh, colonial planet, and Harper starts muttering some shit, talking about what kind of bad shape it's in, and Hayes is immediately there to defend the company. Like, oh. We provide the buildings. We can't tell how people are going to use them. And like that's gone from three or four uh three or four missions into it. Her relationship with Harper is fairly well done. They're they're antagonistic but kind of respectful initially. And then by the end, like or uh, not even by the end, by the middle, I haven't gotten to the end. Uh he's basically saying, if I ever, you know, collapse and die, then give Hayes full command and everyone's like, yeah, Hayes has earned this. And, uh, the, you know, there's this progression through the game, through the person who's supposed to be your POV character that works almost exactly like with what you expect from 
the Aliens universe with what you expect from just learning about a game that is about the shit going down in some place. Uh, and I, yeah, there's there's a lot of little little big design decisions like that that end up working surprisingly well in this game. Uh, it all kind of adds up in a way that I was certainly not expecting, and I was pretty in favor of uh, what I saw from this game a few months before it re- released, but the, the net effect, I think, is even better than that. Yeah, well, the other thing that I think is is another way that it, it just does a really good job of replicating kind of the structure of the film or of similar films why I think it's probably the best aliens with an S game that I have played probably in terms of being fun and also true to what was cool about that movie is what we alluded to earlier with the the in mission escalation track, which is basically that every time a xenomorph even sees you, uh, it starts this this ticker that basically uh, it alerts the hive and there's like two big breakpoints on there. That's like the danger level. It's like low, medium, high. And then there's some other like non-fixed breakpoints that can vary from mission to mission that will like summon a uh like a, a special bigger alien. alien. Yeah, like a Praetorian or something. And what this leads hey, to boy. like organically and like with your agency taken into account, whereas there are lots of horror games that could do this just by being completely scripted, uh, but but um, it does it dynamically on every mission. Is it it basically simulates the the structure of a horror movie? And you know, I love my storytelling games in the tabletop realm, and I think the big difference that separates a storytelling game from more of a like a, a tabletop war game miniature lineage traditional role playing game is that they're trying to simulate dramatic structure alongside with or even above and beyond simulating like a world that just has like logical rules. Um, so I love it that like you you land and you go into a mission and it's like, oh, we, we saw a drone and like we shot it, we killed it. It was no big deal. And then it's back to like, you know, the beep beep on the, the motion tracker. And as you get deeper and deeper into the mission, the stakes get higher. You're gaining stress. The The hive becomes aware of your presence. They're sending more patrols out um, to the point that eventually you realize kind of the optimal way to play is, is to just never really try to get spotted. <laughs> That's yeah. not going to happen in practice, but that is kind of what you end up aiming for, especially in the harder levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, so this was like this is where I like once I realized that this was what the game was, this is where I texted y'all and was like, <laughs> hey, like you haven't recorded this. I, I think I probably do have stuff to say about this, which was that for the first like half of the game, I was like, I'm not sure all these pieces fit together entirely well. Like the the alert timers, the 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 escalation in mission to at the outset is so generous because you, the planetary infestation level is low and so you will have in a lot of those early missions it doesn't matter if the the alien spots you a bunch like you'll gun them down they'll send a few at you you gun those down and then you walk away maybe you'll get caught by you know caught with a big wave and, and it gets it gets a little more hairy it gets a little more hectic but it's not really like i didn't really feel the need to 
leverage all those stealth mechanics that the game introduces you to in the tutorial. I was like, I don't really know if I care enough to to futz around with the uh, you know alien uh, spotting meter uh, for for when it like sort of sees your guys. Like I'm like, we just we just shoot them uh in in a lot of cases except for some you know very very specific places where you just don't want to be you know things are too confined because the the nature of the marines is that if they can engage from a distance and create a firing line aliens really can't get in on them unless they've got like you know the the big bruiser type units but in those places where it's like really tight narrow confines the corridors aren't very long they make lots of turns that's okay those are places where i really don't want to be spotted because i just won't be able to to shoot the aliens before they before they get get in on me but for the first half of the game i started sitting there being like these aliens ain't shit i yeah (laughs) this is not this is not that big a problem for me to just sort of post up put out the sentry guns take positions and wreck house and then once the aliens get tired of of getting mulched, uh, we pick up our shit and we move on. And then it ticked over into um, planetary infestation level four, and it, it'd been getting harder before that. Uh, Pioneer station, you know, you return to the mm-hmm. space station you're at at the start. The mission bugged and consumed a lot of resources for me that I didn't really uh, happened have. to me too. <laughs> Did you have the thing where it wouldn't let you rest even though you yep. sealed off? The, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, that's steam. Yeah, everyone did. <laughs> that mission, that mission is horribly broken and I think destroyed the difficulty curve of the game a little bit. Just by, by the time I, fi- I finished Pioneer Station, we'd gone up an entire tick effectively to, to Infestation Level 4. And the very next mission is this mission where uh, you go to this atmospheric processing center. And uh, that, in so many words, uh, is my Vietnam. <laughs> it's so it, it's this. It's like it's cool. The the mission areas are actually really distinct from each other, despite all having sort of a aliens aesthetic. But this one kind of puts together a lot of the characteristics of the other maps you've seen. So there's really like there's a ton of buildings with uh you know tight, complicated interiors that you have to navigate. But also the the map is it has all these outbuildings, which in some ways favors your Marines because uh, again, like your Marines like open field combat, and so that's how I, was, I I hit that mission where I was like, yeah, staying to these these large clear boulevards between the outbuildings, this is this is this has served me well so far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that. But the problem is that the minute you're spotted and there's nowhere to hide. Uh, you know, on those, you know, out in that open ground. Suddenly, it's not like, oh, you get spotted, you break contact, and the the meter is still at easy three or four times before before things escalate. It's like you get spotted once, and it's like, okay, uh, now the alien activity is at medium. Uh, we're not doing easy. You 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 had your you had your one shot at that, and now there's twice as many aliens running around the map. And if they see you again, the mission's going to get hard, and it's going to start flinging. Uh, like special enemies and bosses at you right and left. And really quickly, I was like, I had a couple runs where I was like, my squad managed to do like two things before I was like, we are too banged up to continue. We need to get out. Of- oh shit. I still got a ton of people abducted on that map. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot yeah. about the sorry. So also when troops are incapacitated and the aliens sort of have you on the ropes, they'll just grab one of your little Marines and drag them off to the alien hive. And maybe you can rescue them if you find where they've been taken, uh, you know, but but maybe not. And so I lost a bunch of I lost a lot of good Marines uh, down. They were fine. <laughs> But I lost a lot of useful Marines, you know, in the, in this mission. And suddenly I was like, okay, the, the rules of the game have effectively changed. I need, I, now I need to play the way Len was just sort of describing. I need to play it as if these things are like the eye of Sauron or like the Gorgon stare, right? Where like, if I am seen, that's as bad as somebody just being like killed by a lightning bolt in this squad like we need to be really careful and, and it changed how i was playing like suddenly i'm like putting those landmines out because if the aliens yeah. just randomly die that doesn't trigger an alert so suddenly i'm like okay where the aliens like to rove around i'll put a mine here that'll thin the herd a little bit doing all these things now to try to evade making contact with them because suddenly it was a stealth game and it hadn't needed to be prior to that the, the systems were there but they weren't it wasn't necessary to interact with them and now suddenly this this back you know third of the game back half of the game stealth is the the slender tether to which i'm clinging yeah yeah the, the other thing is that you're getting tools to actually use this so like when i have a pumped up recon guy who's the the class that can use the sniper rifle the silenced sniper rifle it's as soon as i see that line on the screen i slam the space bar so that it goes into like super slow mo mode and i click the the precision shot button and hope that my sniper can hit the alien before that thing fills up and like you said the mines but the mines also have a buff where you could do some research and like attach pheromones to the mine so that the aliens go directly to them once they see them. That's, that's a fun thing to do. So you're getting these tools that can help you stay in stealth, but these are taking your command points, which are like your mana in this game, uh, that uh, once that starts getting, you know, stretched a little bit, Oh, I only have two command points. Oh, my Marines are now, uh, panicked, I think, is the one that lowers the amount of command points that you have. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you have to have a certain number of Marines that have it too. So, yeah. like, you might get lucky and not ever get two Marines that have panicked, but you might get it the first time the stress meter fills up. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going from four command points that I can drop a mine and like, oh, that's cool. Oh, one of my Marines is injured. Now I'm trying to carry him home back through this building that's functionally a dungeon. And one of my Marines is panicked. So now I only have two command points and I can't run. Uh, and this this makes things interesting. But I am also, you know, deploying these mines as quickly as I can. I've got, you know, a sergeant who's regenerating those command points faster than I would have beforehand. So it. It does a shockingly good job of feeling like these these curves of like this is too easy, this is too hard are kind are largely intertwined. The problem is that there is some randomness both that the game has uh, on its own and that the game's bugs have, which you you found that Pioneer Station Rust bug, which I guess I also hit, but 
I didn't realize it. I thought I'd just done something wrong. So I managed to finish the mission. <laughs> I think I lost one Marine, but I was like, okay, I guess we're not resting. Uh, so I guess that's a skill issue. But um, <laughs> I also had one where I was close to the end of, I think, the second major mission where you're going through the docks to find out where the containers that are delivering the alien eggs come from. And like as a scripted event in this game, uh, a train leaves from the docks that is theoretically going to be delivering containers all over the planet. And so that's real bad. And so there's actually a cutscene where your Marines walk out of the building and see the train taking off. And something in that train, the second time I played, I've restarted the game, uh, something in that dropped my frame rate down to like two. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get in the ARC that your little, your armored personnel carrier, the the thing from Aliens, the movie, and drive off, reload the mission, and come back and finish it. It's fine. It's early in the game. I don't have the the strategic death timer yet. This will be okay. I come back, and it's still there. Something in that mission, when that train went off, like, didn't fully work and now i had a frame rate of two in a real-time tactics or whatever game uh and like it's just glitching all over the place the marines would be like moving forward two steps then jerking back because of the frame rate said that the sound and where they were wasn't supposed to be but then it would just get stuck that way uh so that's how my marine lost a foot on the second mission uh but i didn't manage to get through with only a missing foot uh which was fortunate because, uh, yeah, I, these things can go to shit real, real fast. Um, but yeah, they, like this is this is the main thing. And Lynn, you reviewed this for a major site, so you you talked about this. But this is the major thing that seems to be holding this game back is that there's just a few too many glitches for a game that is like really built around making sure that all of the all of its ideas are converging to a single point of how you're playing it. And then there's a glitch and that single point is suddenly all over the place. Yeah. Well, like Rob said, I, I did feel like that glitch on Pioneer Station <laughs> threw off the difficulty curve of the entire campaign because it is so tightly integrated. Um, well, you don't know what's happening. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you did the same thing I did, which uh, was like, okay, so we're in a bit of an odd spot. You got to walk a long way through this dungeon and you you have a lot of encounters along the way. But like, I know there's a room there that I can sort of seal myself yeah. into. And you stake your entire plan around going into that room, sealing uh-huh. it up and being like, all right, now the squad's going to be ready to rock. And they don't. And now you're yeah. like, well, if I'd known I couldn't rest, I would have played this entire thing more stealthy. So I ended right. up like, yes, I ended up having to sort of, I wasted a couple runs because I was like too casual about like stress. And then I had to like completely re like change my approach to the level. Yeah. Well, in that, I think pioneer station really is like the, that is the put on your big kid pants moment of the campaign. Like that, that is where the difficulty pivot. I I think I was on infestation three when I got there, I was a little bit, uh, ahead of of where you were in terms of of the campaign progression, but uh, yeah, like that was the first time I lost a marine was in that that boss room with so much stuff going on that it's like, and you have these command points that they do recharge over time, but it's kind of like when you hit a do or die moment where there's like 
there's lots of stuff going on and you just have to survive. You're thinking about all of these abilities you have that cost command points and like, how can I construct? It's almost think, thinking like, how can I construct a turn in a in in like a like a deck building game almost uh, of, or or like a combo in a fighting game? Yeah, yeah, because there probably is a way there's probably a way if you have enough command points and you have a pretty balanced squad that you can use those command points to get out of a really, really dicey situation, at least long enough to, you know, recharge some more command points and, and take another go at it. Um, but yeah, I, I had, I, I tried that room so many different ways and like, I, I could not get out of there with less than one casualty. And up to that point, I had not had anyone die. So I was, I was, uh, I was, very pressed by that. Um, the well, other it, thing doesn't, he, it doesn't help they make you put set up turrets in the in bad positions. Yes, <laughs> they don't let you put them in the place where it would actually make the most sense to put them. Um, which that's another way that just like the way the level geometry changes later on really increases the difficulty because a lot of the earlier missions, once you find four turrets, it's like oh, I'm just going to set up four turrets at the end of this hall. And here they come, and they're dead. <laughs> yourself. You're walking around, like, picking up turrets, putting down turrets. Like, yeah, exactly. All right, all right, everybody, time to open this door. Yeah. Everyone, like, laying out fields of fire. All right, yeah. nothing behind the door. Pick them all up, and it all takes time. Uh, yeah, like, later, <laughs> later in the game, you don't really have an option. And you do, the game does sort of teach you, you don't have time to be setting up turrets. Like, right. you really uh-huh. think you want that. Well, you end up, or at least I, in the later missions, ended up using them uh, sort of the same way that you two were using snipers and mines, where it's like, I'm going to set this up where I know aliens are going to be when I'm not there, <laughs> so that they will just That's help smart, keep, yeah. keep the level population under control a little bit. Oh, I should have done um, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing we haven't even talked about yet is that there is also a darkest dungeon t- style like long-term psychological harm system where in mission when your stress fills up you know you'll get those disobedient or uh you know clumsy or like you know palms sweaty knees weak arms or heavy stuff going on <laughs> uh but when that fills up enough times it actually increases your like campaign level stress for that marine. I forget what the term they use for it is. Trauma. Oh, it is. It is. Called is this is a game about trauma. Lynn. I couldn't remember that because of my trauma. I could not remember the word trauma. Um, where like that will give them a negative trait that carries with them into every mission until you send them to the psychiatrist, you know, on the ship uh, to, you know, do some therapy and uh, eventually get rid of that trait, which is just another thing that keeps your best Marines out of rotation for if you want to, you know, keep them mentally Can we healthy. talk about how weird and creepy the psychiatry room in this is? It is. Like, like the Colonial <laughs> Marines doctors, like, talks like a true believer in some religion I've never heard of. It, it, it seems like very waiting for you to break down for her to yeah. And like the little the little background room and animation is just like a a, a sunken 
a sunken circle that has like a bench around it and all your Marines that you've put into psychiatry are just sitting on the bench with it in this sunken circle with their heads in their hands. And it's like, this is how you're getting better from your trauma. You're sitting down with a bunch of other depressed people uh, alongside this cult leader. And I don't know. It's, it's a neat, it's a neat game mechanic. It's just the, the animations they put together for like this internal internal struggle of how to get better uh did not like show up externally terribly well um, well i mean it's a, it's a very gloomy game you know like yeah. you always hear the rain hammering against the the ship when you're at hq every time the the uh transport takes off it leaves through the through the pouring rainstorm and yeah like the 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 otago the crashed marine uh ship where you know you use, use your hq it is this really stripped down warship uh that that the crash lands at the start of the game and yeah what they've what they've got for their little uh for their rest and recovery suite is the the detail i love about it is that it's got like not stained glass but it's like translucent plastic uh like light panels over fluorescent <laughs> lights yeah and it shows a nature scene and so you can immediately you can immediately like imagine it of like the the weird like flickery fluorescent light backlighting this thing that's meant to look like a you know an image with depth of, of nature and have like you know natural light coming through it but it, but it's 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 patently not right it's uh it reminded me a lot of i'm pretty sure there are similar rooms like this in that fx series legion where it opens in a psych ward and <laughs> effectively like he's being horribly mistreated it's it's a similar vibe uh so th- the game has the sort of like gothic gloominess to it that, that crops yeah. up in in fun ways yeah. what well, it is I mean, like we're, it, we're just trying to get you mentally healthy enough to get back out into the tunnels with the aliens. Like that's that's what the goal of this uh this therapy session is. Like we're 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 still gonna need you to go back out there. Uh so just if you could get it together, yeah. Yeah, there there's also an aspect where like you, you have these turns that are a day long. It's a lot like Darkest Dungeon in this respect. Um and between each turn you're given like an event that creates a choice. And this is the other thing that I was I was talking about before I got to the glitches. Uh that like some of these choices are really, really bad. Like some of them are like, you can get more resources if you don't send your troops on a mission one day. All right, that's that's a perfectly fine choice, either direction, sure, whatever works. Um, some of them are like, one of your Marines dies or all of your Marines are exhausted. And that means that those Marines are like out for the next multiple day days. Uh, and I got like, I think immediately after the Pioneer Station and when I was going to that atmospheric processor, which, as Rob mentioned, is kind of a, a turning point in, oh, now I see where this escalation is going. Oh, shit. I got multiple events in a row where like the only real choice was to exhaust my Marines. So I was not able to like actually do anything for several days in a row. And this is as that planetary infestation ticker is getting to three and four and five, the ones that are really, really nasty. And also there's a strategic timer that's or a strategic 
game level timer that's basically like in X number of days, the campaign is over. Um, so this, this finally pushed me over into the, I want to restart this game on Iron yep. Man, which I have done. Uh, but it means that I never got past this part of the game, but it's, uh, it's definitely got some aspects to it where the randomness and that's the intentional randomness I was talking about can lead you into some particularly nasty and perhaps overly nasty situations that that's not a fun way to have your campaign go down. You know, that's not, that's not, I fucked up by having my Marines go too deep. I learned a valuable lesson here. That's the dice got rolled and the dice came up, you lose. Or the dice came up, things will be more difficult and this is just enough for you to make, to for you to decide this campaign is over, which is partially a new thing. But Oh, quick thing, by the way, you mentioned those events that happened b- between the days. Yeah, another reason I want to start this thing over. I didn't, I didn't understand the structure of this campaign when I started playing it, did not fully understand what was going to be happening over the course of aliens, dark descent immediately upon landing. The main part of the campaign starts, do the first mission, get halfway through it, go back to base, whatever. Every day hit next day. I get an event. That's like, do you want to deploy or do you want more free goodies? And I was like, I love free goodies. I'm just going to sit here and (laughs) take all these free goodies. I spent like a week without doing a mission. And then I was like, ah. oh, wait, we just went up an infestation level. And so I, I like now I think about there's no way those goodies were worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it, like th- those events would have probably procced later on when rest would have been more useful. Instead, I had a ship full of like perfectly healthy, uh, psychologically balanced <laughs> Marines who had no no experience levels. Yeah. What's the use of that? Yeah. Well, and at. So that that that's why you were it must have been an infestation four by Pioneer Station because yeah they don't really they don't tell you really what it, going up an infestation level means either it's only once I you assumed get, it meant aliens bad right yeah, but that's like, just me I might be a genius but <laughs> um, like they obviously it means things are going to get worse but they don't tell you stuff like okay once you get up to like four or five it's like everywhere you go is going to have at, at least one drone patrolling now. Like you're, you're not going to have any more free movement without, you know, clearing them out and then running through. Like that's, that's what you have to do now. Once you get up to those levels, uh, Rowan, I believe you also posted that you got the event where there's, there's one of your squad. Who's like, oh, I don't know. The rebellious colonists kind of have a point, bad labor conditions and, you know, low pay. <laughs> like you basically have to like decide if you want to court martial him or he gets into like a brawl <laughs> in, the, so, in the mess hall. <laughs> so yeah, this is so this is the thing that we haven't mentioned because we've only been yeah. talking about the aliens aspect to this, but yeah. there is also like a human alien worshiping cult that you deal with and they, they function in a different way. You don't have the like hive stuff and the stress, you just kill them. But they're also they've also got guns sometimes. So you're actually fighting ranged attacks, which is not the case with almost all, possibly all the other aliens. Um, so there are these these cultists who are who are in your way in this game, and you get a, like an event overnight where one of your people is like, "Well, obviously, capitalist oppression is making these <laughs> these cultists rebel. Like this, they're not rebelling in the right way, but this is this is." 
the fault of Wayland Utania. No, 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 no. They yeah. just they this all started because they're bad people. That's the only reason. Um, um, so <laughs> then you get then you get the option of like, do you do you get rid of them or do you let them stick around knowing this will lead to a brawl and the brawl will have negative effects later on the later on down the line? Um, the first time I did it, I was like, well, obviously this this commie has a point. Um, it might not be the right time for their point, but they have a point. Uh, the second time I did it, uh, I was like, this is, this character is a rookie, whatever. Send them out into the wastes. And they did not get sent out into the wastes. It said, rookie A. Latimer has been terminated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Later on, there's a mission where you have to decide whether or not you trust people you rescue, depending yeah, you, on whether you, you've gathered more info. And yeah, you just do like executions down there on the planet's surface if you've got bad vibes. Uh, so here's the thing, Ron. <laughs> I had to keep that person around because, again, perhaps because of the wasted week, uh, just cooling my heels, grabbing goodies from around the planet. I sort of had a critical experience shortage uh pretty deep into the campaign and also my snipers were cursed class like i would no sooner have a sniper than they get fucking eaten that's just that just kept <laughs> happening so i get this message that like yeah my my only sniper who had some other bad traits too i forget what they were it wasn't it wasn't good i think he was like kleptomaniac which means he's basically skimming the resources you get uh every time uh-huh. i think he also had the trauma that was like uh i'm taking i'm using a med kit uh each time we rest uh hope you hope you guys didn't need that i badly would have wanted to shoot this guy into space but he was the only sniper uh that that i had with with the with the precision shot at that moment which is basically critical to maintain stealth so he's he's out there saying wild shit like yeah, you know, it's capitalism's fault that the cultists started implanting alien embryos in each other and uh, <laughs> infesting the planet. And I'm just like, yeah, that's an interesting point. We'll have to circle back on that. Uh, anyway, how's how's your shooting arm uh, today? Because we, we have a little work for you. Uh, weirdly enough, we didn't. I didn't get the brawl. The brawl event still hasn't triggered. And I do wonder, like... I I did the um there's the redemption trait you can get which removes a negative trait on someone not a trauma mm-hmm. but like sort of a negative baseline trait and his negative baseline trait I I want to say was some sort of like you know weird malcontent thing I can't remember what it was but it there's has like a, a conspirator one there's yeah, insubordinate my- where they start each mission with like the disobedient oh moodlet or whatever I'm calling world. them moodlets like. <laughs> Moodlets works. <laughs> I mean, they're bad. Like, I like it. This is yeah. so, th- and this is the other reason I want to go back and restart it because, like, I do feel like a lot of these systems have been at their most interesting when I was na- naive of how they worked. But as I've sort of like tightened up my play, I'm not feeling as pressed as I was. Like, I'm running out of time. the The, the campaign clock is is counting down. Down. I'm not sure. I'm I'm, I'm curious. If I'm going to be able to get this thing done under the wire. But in terms of like, you know, I went from being really banged up and and back against the wall to now I have a really deep bench of really experienced troops. Nobody's hurt. Nobody's got trauma because we had such a rotation going that like 
people just were able to chill in the therapy center and get all those negative traits off them. So like all the, all these systems right now are kind of dead. They're inert because I'm, I'm staying on top of them really, really well. And like, there's just a little bit of resource tightness um, running out of like materials. So I can't buy the, the weapon upgrades I, I really want, but, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, I've had a lot of moments in this game that were great that sort of arrived like a bolt from the blue where it's like, Oh, now I see better how this game fits together, how it all works. My concern is once you know how it all works, it's, it's a little too easy to navigate around. Like if I started this game over, I'd really make a lot of hay, I think in those early stages of the campaign. And I don't know how hard this game would be if I were sort of blazing through it with, with foreknowledge. And so I'm like, small example of this is one of the resources that you that you get that's persistent between missions is um xeno stuff alien goo whatever dna links yeah yeah it it powers it powers various special upgrades you can give to your squad well we kill so many aliens i'm just sitting on mountains of alien essence and so every time we go on a mission, it's like, what do I think we'll run into? Doesn't matter. Uh, everyone gets all the upgrades we've got because there's just zero point in why would I why would I skimp on the face hugger remover if never skimp on the face hugger that, remover? No. <laughs> okay. Pardon? That, that one is one hundred percent mandatory every mission. Yeah, I don't even uh, care if yeah. there are face huggers. I wish it weren't in the game, honestly. Because yeah, the thing is the face hugger should be this terrifying. Uh, and once you got through, well, it's still pretty bad. I will say that like, it's still pretty bad once a face hugger gets hold of a, a soldier. Uh, Cause frequently that's not the only thing happening because killing face huggers triggers an alien alert. So it, it's not great, but it, but it is one of those things where, yeah, just, just take everything. There's no, there's no choice to be made here. I'm just going to max out the little buffs I can get with the, with the alien goop and take care of all this and it feels like that system would would sing a lot better if you were sitting there thinking can i afford the anti-acid mud guards i guess my troops are wearing or can i afford the face hugger remover and now that i say those two things out loud maybe those are both things that shouldn't exist in an aliens game the the face hugger it should be like losing a leg you should have to carry them back to the yeah. like armored vehicle yeah. and then take them back to the ship for extraction. They That's when this be... game is almost at its best is when yeah. you're doing that whole like, oh, we're yeah. down to three and one person's carrying dead weight. And now we have to like fight our way through at a snail's pace down two guns. Yeah, so this is why I started on Iron Man mode or whatever it's called on this. Uh, I felt like, you know, the actual difficulty of the missions was fine. Like my guys would consistently take damage and I would be able to heal them for the most part, unless something started horribly going wrong. And when I was playing my first run, which had regular saves, um, I would just be like, oh, okay, I had something go horribly wrong. This is a full squad wipe. I'm going to restart this or reload this mission. I, I can let like one guy die every now and then, but a full squad wipe? Nah, that's that's something I'm going to reload. And like that was good for that first play, where 
I was reasonably cert- reasonably uncertain how all these things fit together, how everything worked. I knew that I was going to start running into problems as I like got into a, a, a second play, and I was like, "All right, we're just getting rid of that." And then I discovered some weird quirks to the auto save system, where it's not actually a traditional Iron Man. You don't actually save the game when you quit. Uh, this is a you are doing the whole mission in one sitting thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's led me to the point where now I have to be extra careful where it's like, OK, if I push my guys too hard now, do I go back into the if I push my guys too hard, this might be a full squad wipe. So I'm just going to take the ARC back and that's that's going to be it for this time. And like maybe three missions down the line, this is going to lead to problems because I have slightly too high of a planetary infestation level. But this tension of knowing that like. Yeah, this is this is it. There's not a there's not a second there's not a, a second cushion here. I'm either all in or I'm all out. Uh, has has led that aspect of like knowing what the basic systems of this game are and how I'm going to deal with that. And the the second part of this is that those resources, the Xeno samples or whatever, um, if you're going through this game quickly and not just like getting in giant firefights with the aliens over and over, you're not collecting those Xeno samples that much. So you are only going in with one or two of those uh one or two of those buffs and if one of them is uh taking the face hugger thing every single time then that's draining it further i don't know if this is going to like balance out the whole game as you continue your progression but i think there there might be some push and pull instead of just push so the 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 point of the face huggers does remind me i think one reason i'm bummed that they got a little bit trivialized uh, th- through a counter is that this game has an enemy variety problem which isn't surprising i think the the aliens universe is not set up to generate tons of interesting aliens like this game's this game's trying man like it's like all right so that alien you saw before that was a drone but here's a different alien and it's worse and then there's a big alien and then and it's like it all looks like the alien you know what i mean it's just yeah. like we put more shit we we put more um chrome on it effectively it's like yeah, a dodge put- one one alien looks like the alien another looks like a dodge charger alien yeah. that's kind of how they're distinguishing them uh you know especially and- the warriors like warriors are really hard to tell apart from drones until they attack you because they do the job just don't die yeah, yeah, and they come vaulting in over your over your field of fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's stuff like that. The this is not this is not really what Alien the Aliens verse has has really ever excelled at. And so it it, it does try to introduce this notion of okay, like a, a big Praetorian will come out and you know it'll it'll sort of kite around. Uh but even there, they're weirdly evasive. Uh they don't just come charging straight at you. So a lot of times I'm like, come back out here, you little bastard. I know you're in that closet. <laughs> and the other type of enemy they introduce yeah these are these cultists the the darwin era uh people who've you know they're so downtrodden by sort of the economic collapse of leffy uh because it's basically an exhausted mining planet that people catch wind of of the aliens and a few of them are like 
well, you're kind of, you know, if you think about it, when they do the chestburster thing, that's kind of like being reborn. And so wouldn't it be cool if we if we joined uh, with, with with the aliens and sort of promoted their promoted their species uh, and, and, and in hopes that it flourishes on this planet? Long story short, there's guys with guns in this game that you got to do. Yeah. With. And they also ain't shit. because you know you got to use the cover a little bit more to to deal with them but they don't hit very hard uh there's there's special ones you run into later that are basically the dudes from the expanse uh you know the the sort of blue-eyed um you know space white walker type characters with with power armor those are a little nastier but ultimately you know the the two enemy archetypes are alien what run at you and shooty guy who posts up and, and shoots at you and sort of waits until you sort of wear them down with, with, with long range fire. Or guy with a wrench who just commits suicide by oh, charging. God, right. There's so directly. many dudes who are just charging at you. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. uh, so, you know, it's the game has to overcome sort of these problems of this is not a universe that readily supplies you with appropriately themed adversaries but also i do kind of wonder given the nature of how the game controls which is very seamless it feels very good that also means it's dependent on feeling good like rowan's description of oh yeah my frame rate tanked because because of a glitch that's game ruining this game isn't possible yeah, it doesn't no. run by turns impulses the game needs to be silky smooth like a shooter yeah <clears throat> No, this was this was a thing where if it had happened the first time I started playing the game, I probably would never have gone back. But because for whatever reason, it worked one time and then didn't work the next time and there was only a tiny bit left of the mission. I was like, okay, I can I can push through this. I know it's not that bad. I beat an alien queen with on two on a frame rate of two or three. That was fun. Um, Yeah. I think. I think that the the enemy variety thing is I completely see where Rob is coming from here but also like I think it also makes some degree of sense that you're just fighting the same shitty things over and over um like some variety of shitty things but like <laughs> this is not a game that's about like only only vaguely is it but about like about like figuring out counters to what something is doing. Like when, when you're fighting the Queens or the charger aliens, you have to dodge them uh, coming directly at you real fast. Uh, That's, that's an aspect of like actually, you know, learning pattern recognition, et cetera. That's generally not what the game is about. The game is about just slowly grinding it out and seeing if you can make that next grind. And obviously some variety in that is helpful. And I think the different missions do provide a pretty decent way of it. But at another level, like both in terms of this is an effective adaptation of the universe and just this isn't the thing the game is about. The game is about getting splashed with acid from regular aliens over and over and over until you decide you've either had enough or you go too far. And I think that it it sort of works in that respect. This is also an issue I had with um, the squad customization stuff, which is not super powerful. You can like change their faces, sort of give them helmets or not, that kind of thing. But 
uh, y'all know how much time I put into customizing my squaddies in XCOM. That's not yeah. really an option here, but it's not a thing that I missed. This is a thing where it's like, once I realized, okay, this is, this is the aesthetic they have. It fits with the aesthetic that they have designed for the entire world, which is based off a movie I have seen a few times and is an extremely famous and good movie. Uh, yeah, well, we, we can work with this. I'm not going, I'm not going to go nuts making the entire X-Men on this roster. Um, I'm just going to like play the play the cards that I've been dealt, and I am cool with that. Even though I would not have been cool with that if it was a different type of game. Um, so yeah, this is it's it's sort of a tough thing where it's like this is a game that by and large knows that it has limitations. Doesn't always get those right, but it does recognize. Okay, we are just making an aliens thing. The one other or the one way I think that the enemy variety actually I, I would give it I would give it some kudos is I think this is the first game that's ever made runners scary because <laughs> in in every other alien game, it's like, oh, yeah, they're really fast, but they have like four hit points. So just I'm just going to whip my pistol out and it's dead, whereas especially some of the later levels in in Dark Descent. um like if it's a drone or a warrior and you see them coming, you can probably just like jump into a closet or something and they'll walk by and you won't get spotted. But if a runner just comes zooming down the hall, it's like, ah, shit, it saw us like, all right, we're, we're on medium now. OK, well, that, that sucks. Um, like the, the role they actually play in the the alien team is is. uh significant in terms of how much it could mess up your run the one other thing i had on my outline was the marine progression um i'm curious because i i kind of felt like it was a little stingy i don't know if if either of you had the same experience but i felt like once you unlock your subclass like you you don't really get a lot better from there like going from not having smart gunners to having a smart gunner is a big deal but especially like that courage stat that is supposed to measure how well they can keep their shit together through a mission. I felt like a level like nine Marine was just not that different from level one in terms of like how long I could keep them in a bad situation before they started to lose it. And that just felt like it wasn't really rewarding for the amount of time I had invested into that character. I think so it suffers a little bit from the problem of... Like by that point in the game, the level one marine would would just be alien food at that point. Like they they couldn't function uh, the way these missions are running because like the the ramp up is is so fast. But the effect of the the things that sort of let you sort of maintain courage a little bit better is that effectively you've got a marine that builds stress slower than the other marines, that meaningfully slower. Like there's times I look down and it's like wow these guys are just like. These are my rocks. Uh, we've got one. We've got one low-level squatty that's on two two levels of stress. Uh, they've got two debuffs, and Sarge over here is just fine. Uh, so Sarge is Sarge is at fifty percent on their on their first step, and so that stuff does like it. It comes into play. I think. I think the big thing is that the leveling system is really not there to make your marine intrinsically better. It's to siphon away supply resources into <laughs> buying them the kit because they get the slots to get the upgrades yeah. that you really need. 
And late in the game, you need huge piles of resources to get late game weaponry. And that is really intention with building your Marines out to the point where they've, they've got their class abilities, which, which you, you kind of want. They're almost mandatory for, for the class. But after that, you know, I certainly found a lot of mileage with, uh, hey, everybody's taking ammo pouches now. We are we are going to these missions with like, six, you know, six, seven ammo, six, seven uh, health kits, uh, because it's just, you know, it, it's not viable otherwise. Yeah, you you have to keep investing in them in order to get like the full amount of potential from their leveling. And that's that's another interesting design decision that I think works given how the themes of the game should go. But it also means that sometimes like, oh shit, I just bought, you know, the level six like heavy pulse rifle. I can't upgrade any of my guys going on this next mission. They're not actually that much better because uh i'm not doing those those training room upgrades that would would actually help them uh the other aspect that that rob was talking about is that and i think this goes back to what he said at the very beginning about how it's kind of hard to there are aspects of this game that are obfuscated in good ways like your marines are slightly better at hitting enemies that's not a thing that you really can tell just by walking around a level shooting enemies. That's a thing that you tell 20 minutes later after they've been in six firefights and they've only gotten a couple scratches where the rookies would have been, you know, sliced and diced into losing four or five hit points. Uh, that you your hit points are you have like six or seven hit points. That's four or five is a lot in this game for those who haven't played it. Um and that's that's a good thing in that you get the idea of like a slow progression. You're not constantly trying to just min-max everything. Uh, you're not turning this game into like a set of dice rolls that you've weighted the dice in the ways that you wanted. Or you're not turning this game into the set of di dice rolls where you've weighted the dice in a way that you know you have guaranteed it to win. You've added just a teeny bit of weight in a way that, and the enemies have also added weight in the planetary infestation and stuff and you're hoping that yours your way still comes out that's that's good in terms of like immersion or whatever it's bad in terms of oh i'm really feeling like this is powerful you get this in rpgs sometimes where if you go up in level at exactly the same rate that the enemies go up in strength then you don't feel like you're actually progressing. Why is there even a system that exists like this in this game? I feel like uh, the Assassin's Creed games that like went all out in terms of uh, having RPG style leveling and whatever were like massively fucked that up. Uh, it's just, it's like, why does this exist? The numbers went up, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and this game, I think, does kind of suffer from that also because of the lack of enemy variety. This is an aspect where that will, that will create some frustration. I still think that it's overall a good idea or a functioning idea, but it does lead, does lead to those kinds of situations. Rob, any final thoughts on aliens, dark descent? I mean, I think the thing that stresses, like, I'm enjoying the game tremendously. It's, you know, it's not the 
the competition has not been thick on the ground, certainly, but this is the best Aliens game since, uh, you know, Alien Isolation. Uh, you know, no no shade to the, uh, you know, squad shooter that, that they made, the co-op shooter, but, like, this is this is very successful at being aliens in the way that alien isolation was very successful at channeling alien. Mm -hmm. And it goes about that. I think really the, the crucial insight here is that if you do aliens and you think, ah, imagine it from the first person shooter perspective, you've whiffed, you're going to miss it because either it won't feel good uh, because the aliens are are appropriately fast and evasive and you just can't sh hit them, you'll feel incompetent. Or you turn into the character that is how the Marines in that in that movie see themselves, you know, the 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 hyper competent badass having you at this remove and having you just watch them and watch them crack under the strain and having to sort of tackle the same challenges that they they tackle in that game which is which is effectively like exploring exploring a map is what they're doing for the for the you know the majority of that film uh the insight to move the action to this perspective and, and center the game on that action is is a really brilliant one and so i think you know i was very i was very measured in my praise of the game when it when it first came out because i i didn't I wasn't fully sold on how the pieces fit together, but as I've gotten into the late game, I, I think it really is. It really is a special game. It's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't have a ton of time, but I'm also thinking about maybe I want to restart this and, you know, play it on an even harder difficulty and, and see how it all comes together, knowing what I know, but also maybe throwing an even stiffer challenge my way. That sounds really good. And I don't feel that way about most games, but this one I do. That's a pretty good compliment, but I'm going to I'm going to go a little higher here. This was a game that got me excited enough that I actually went and watched Prometheus. <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's that's a pretty it's pretty high recommendation. Um, yeah, I actually kind of liked Prometheus. It was not it was not yeah. amazing. Then I went on to watch Covenant, and that was that was a mistake. Covenant, I have not brought myself to watch yet. Um, yeah, no, I haven't either. It's it's fine, but it's it doesn't have the good enough. It doesn't do the things from Alien and Aliens well enough to stand on those two feet, and it doesn't function well as a Prometheus sequel at all. And it's trying to do both of those things, so it's yeah, it's. It's it's a mess. There's it's not the worst mess I've ever seen, but uh, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't did not enjoy that as much as Prometheus, and I didn't adore Prometheus like some people have managed to do. But I at least felt it was getting somewhere. Anyway, um, yeah, this is this is a good game for like getting its hooks in you, and it's not as once you figure out like what this game is, which happens, you know, pretty soon in the first mission, how it all fits together is a little less, less so. But you're once you're like dropping shotgun blasts on aliens when they get a little too close and then hoping that you have those command points regenerate as they show up. And then later in the game, you're realizing, oh, these command points all add up in different ways and I can plant mines and I can do all these other things. Like once that stuff starts clicking, this is a game that gets its hooks in you pretty quickly, and it's 
really an astonishing adaptation of a uh, of an IP or a, a world that has been pretty resistant to actually having that done well. And I think going with the kind of darkest dungeon meets XCOM meets at this very strange real-time tactics thing uh, ended up being a bunch of good choices that uh, really work out well for having this be like, ah, this is the Aliens game I was waiting for. I didn't even know I was waiting for it. Yeah, not even just the universe more broadly, but specifically the second movie, like at like we've said a couple of times, like this is probably the best aliens game I've played since like 2001 or something. It's it's about the same things that movie is about, and it's cool in the same ways that movie was cool specifically. Um, Yeah, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on it, my full review is over at IGN. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can head over to... A seven? (laughs) A seven, Fraser. It was because of the bugs. I'm. That's the reason I want to restart it. I want to play it again without the bugs. And, you know, in a month or so and see if uh, if uh, that uh, that that's a a significantly better experience. Once Um, the Jones, the cat expansion goes on sale. Yeah. It's it's like a place the drone with a cat. Yeah. Eight borderline nine without all the bugs I ran into. But I had I couldn't really. Couldn't really ignore that. You know, I had to bravely stand up for the uh, the consumer and and say that, uh, yeah, that's might affect your experience negatively. But um, no, I mean, like if I had gotten that fucking bug the first time I played it, I would have said, yeah, this game is neat, but it's unplayable. I'm going to go you know, go back to Final Fantasy 14 and that would have been that. And, you know, yeah. maybe you might have been able to nag me into doing it for this this show, but uh, <laughs> I would uh, definitely have lost all my motivation at suddenly finding the game functionally unplayable. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, there's been a couple patches since then. I haven't been back to it since. I hope some of the I know in the patch notes, some of the bugs I specifically run into, they say they've addressed. I haven't gone back to verify that, but I definitely will do another playthrough of this at some point. Hold on. Steam Um, says that I have the Jones the cat thing. Where is my cat? (laughs) Wait, sorry, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. There is actually a cat DLC. Yes, their day one add-on was a $4 thing with a a black camo armor and a unique feline companion for the Otago. It's a Percy. Yes, Leafy Recon Pack. Well, I've got to investigate and see if I have a cat now, but uh, Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can go check out uh, the forums and stuff over there, idlethumbs.net slash 3MA, uh, as social media as a concept continues to implode under its own rapacity. Uh, forums might be making a comeback, uh, you know, in the near future. Uh, we're also over on whatever the website is called right now. Uh, we're at 3MA over on whatever, whatever they're, whatever they decided to call it. Uh, it used to be called Twitter. I'm not sure at this point. Um, 
Also, we're supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash 3MA. You can get Discord access. You can get bonus episodes. You can become a part of our exclusive multiplayer community. Um, it's a fun place to be. We we experimented with adding more channels, and that has really been a shot in the arm of the 3MA Discord. I think we have like 10 times as much activity there as we did previously, so maybe that's something we should have done uh, done earlier. Um, yeah, we'd love to have you join, join our rowdy crew of uh, various tactics and strategy fans over there. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, for Rowan and for Rob, this is Len saying goodnight.